Chapter 22. Cassie. Okay, those buildings were not built by dinosaurs. Marco said. Jake looked at Axe. Axe, do you have any idea what's going on here? Axe looked as puzzled as he was capable of looking. You are sure this is not some unknown chapter of human history? Axe, at this point humans aren't even a gleam in some tiny mammal's eye. We're a long, long way from seeing the first primate, let alone an actual human. Could they be Andalites? They are not Andalites, Axe said. We too have not yet evolved by this point. In fact, I believe our planet is still wandering between two different stars, one of which will later go nova, but in such a way that the shockwave will... A simple no would do, Marco interrupted. They are certainly not taxons, hork bajir or even yurks. None of those species exists yet. The Pemelites? I suggested. We knew of the Pemelites from Eric. Eric looked and acted like a normal kid, but he was actually an android, a chi, built by the extinct race called Pemelites. Marco shook his head. Eric told us when they arrived on Earth, the last Pemelites were dying. The chi joined their essence or whatever with wolves. There aren't any wolves. We're probably tens of millions of years away from wolves too. So who is hanging around on Earth in this era who can build cities and flying saucers? Jake asked impatiently. Why don't we go ask them? I said. I pointed to the small city in the valley. Or at least go check them out. My osprey morph would be perfect. There are birds in this era, so I shouldn't be too obvious. Jake nodded. Okay, that's what we'll do. We'll all go. But this just gets weirder and weirder. You know, only one of us has to go. I suggested. Why don't I do it? You guys can all stay here for now. Jake cocked an eyebrow. What are you talking about? Well, shouldn't we take the absolute minimum risk? Jake shook his head and kept looking at me like he couldn't figure me out. Look, we've already lost Rachel and Tobias, I blurted. I lost my best friend. I don't want to lose, you know, anyone else. Marco looked like he was right on the verge of making a wisecrack, but he stopped. Still, I guess he just couldn't totally restrain himself, so he said, Why don't I go with Cassie? Somehow I don't think it's me she's worried about losing. She gave Jake a sidelong smirk. Jake rolled his eyes. We are not going to lose anyone, okay? It's probably safer for all of us to be in the air together. Here on the ground, we have big wrecks to worry about. It made sense but it didn't make me feel any better. It had been just 24 hours since I'd last seen Rachel. I hadn't had all that much time to think about her. I'd been busy staying alive. And, I guess the truth is, I almost didn't want to think about her really being gone. But last night, in that terrible black chaos, blind, unable to tell what Jake's terrified cries were coming from, I just kept thinking, no, it can't happen again. I can't lose Jake too. Now here we were, staring down at what might be our only salvation in this dangerous world, but I was more worried than before. Maybe I trust animals more than civilization. Okay, I said, but I get a bad feeling about this. See, this can't be right. There can't be a city down there. It doesn't make sense. There are no cities in the age of dinosaurs, and no flying saucers either. I know we have to check it out, but we need to be careful. I began to focus on my osprey morph. 
An osprey is a type of hawk that normally lives by water and eats fish. Gray feather patterns begin to appear on my skin. I saw my bare feet become talons. My arms twist into wing shapes. It was a morph I had done many times before. But it was a morph from a different world. This was a world where true birds seemed to be small in number. There was a nice breeze blowing, and I could guess that there would be excellent thermals, warm updrafts, welling up from the steep valley walls. Everyone ready? Jake asked. Lock! Marco yelled. Half a dozen small dinosaurs, each standing on two legs, and none more than three feet high, goggled at us with huge yellow eyes. Let's fly! Jake said. The dinosaurs attacked at a run. A very fast run. I am getting so sick of this place, Marco said, as we flopped into the breeze and raced along on our talons. I reached the edge of the cliff. I opened my wings and sprang into the void. The tiny dinosaurs stopped at the edge and watched us go. This does seem to be a dangerous time in Earth's history, Axe said. It's a wonder humans ever evolved in such a dangerous world. The dinosaurs were all gone before humans evolved, I pointed out. All? Axe asked, puzzled. Yeah, there are no dinosaurs by the time humans begin to appear. They were all wiped out much earlier. Unless you count the Flintstones, Marco said. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're the modern Stone Age family. I'd been right about the thermals. It felt good to be floating on a warm breeze. I know this seems crazy, but I somehow felt more at home in the osprey morph than in my own human body. Humans just seemed so totally out of place in this era. We flew toward the shining city in the valley. With osprey eyes, I could see much more clearly. I saw buildings that rose in steep, smooth sweeps, like they'd grown from the bedrock. Windows were stuck in odd locations, some aiming out, others more like skylights. And there were fields planted with green and arranged in neat circles instead of rows. From the town of bedrock, there are a page out of history, Marco sang. As we got closer, I could see creatures of some sort. They seemed like large, very large, crabs, only with shells in a wide array of colors, deep blue, spring green, orange. And while on one side there was something very much like a large pincer, on the other side there was a pair of hands. Those are definitely not any species I know of, Axe volunteered. They don't look friendly, Marco said. Marco, how can you possibly... Wham! Something hit me. I was tumbling through the air. I fell ten feet, opened my wings again, and veered into a breeze. I caught air. Nothing broken. Jake! I cried. Look out! It's coming around again! Jake yelled. I turned my head just in time to see it fill my entire field of vision. Like some monstrous bat. Green and yellow leather wings, twenty feet across. An impossibly long, bony head. I can't believe something that big could sneak up on me, I said. There are more, Axe said tersely. They were dropping from caves in the valley wall. Three, four, six of them. They opened their wide leather wings and swooped toward us. Chapter 23 Tobias
they swarmed toward Rachel. Millions of ants. And a group of them were already reforming around the weapon, forming a sort of hand to raise it high and aim it. I had a very low-tech idea of how to deal with that. I leapt. I landed with both feet on the ants around the weapon, and I began to stomp. I stomped like mad with my Deinonychus feet. They weren't great feet for stomping, because they were basically built like bird feet. But they were fast. I was stomping at a rate of several stomps per second. And whatever kind of super alien ants these might be, they couldn't stand some man-sized dinosaur stomping on them. The nest broke and ran. I roared in triumph and turned to Rachel. She was avidly licking the ants off her with her long tongue. What honor off the earth was that? I said. I don't even want to know, Rachel said. I'll tell you something about your Cretaceous Park here, though. I don't like it. It's grinding my last nerve. Not bad enough we have murderous dinosaurs everywhere. No, we have to have ant creatures from planet Zeptron. Zeptron? It was the first word that came to mind, all right. You want to grind on my nerves too? Nope, definitely not. But maybe we should... The ground beside me exploded, like it had been ripped apart by an invisible plow. I jumped. Another plow mark just behind me. I saw movement. And there, racing toward us across the plain, was a gleaming silver craft. Maybe twice the size of a bug fighter, but shaped like an elongated pyramid, the long end forward. The ship fired again and blew two more five-foot-long furrows in the ground. Run, Rachel said. Run, I agreed. We ran. Deinonychus can run when it wants to. Very fast. Maybe 20 miles an hour. Too bad the silver pyramid was about a thousand times faster. But it hesitated. I glanced back and saw it pause over the spot where we'd been. A sort of tube with a scoop on the end lowered to the ground. And I swear, it vacuumed up the ants we'd scattered. It came after us again. We dodged, and the craft fired, ripping tear after tear in the ground around us. They're playing with us, I yelled. I don't like their game, Rachel said. No, I mean, like cat and mouse. They can hit us any time. They're missing on purpose. They're enjoying this. Or else they're hurting us, Rachel said grimly. They want us to keep going this way. Directly ahead of us was a small herd of Triceratops. Of course, small only referred to the number of animals in the herd. Each one was the size of an elephant. I have to be able to see what's up ahead, up past that herd, I said. I'm gonna leapfrog. What? I didn't have time to explain. We reached the Triceratops. One huge bull swung his three-foot-long horns toward us in challenge. I sidestepped him and leapt onto the back of an equally big but less alert female. I leapt, soared through the air, coiled my legs, timed it just right to slam my legs down on the Triceratops' back, bounced off her, and hurtled another ten feet in the air. From up there, I could see the trap. Then, I was falling. Woof! I hit, rolled, jumped up, and yelled. You were right, it's a trap. There's a whole wall of them, a whole wall of ants. 
Billions! The only way out is left, but there's a sheer drop there. Can't tell how deep. Great. A sheer drop or a wall of space ants. Nice choice. On the count of three, we dodge left and keep going no matter what. One, two, three, Rachel yelled. We hold left. Explosions of earth and rock cut across our path, but I didn't care. I'd seen what was up ahead. This was better. We raced, panting and gasping, toward what looked to us like the end of the world. A sudden gap. An emptiness. What is it the skydivers always say before they jump? I asked. Geronimo! Rachel yelled. Yeah, that's it. I said, and leapt into emptiness. Rachel was there, three seconds behind me. It might have been a five-foot drop. It might have been ten feet. Unfortunately, it was about five hundred feet. Ah! I cried. Ah! Rachel agreed. Falling, falling, spinning out of control. No time to morph. I was going to die. I would be slammed against the ground far below and die. But even as I spun, crying through the air, I swear I saw bright buildings. And then, much closer, a bird. A very familiar bird. Back in my own world, I would have to watch out for peregrine falcons. See, every now and then, one of them will actually take a shot at a hawk. It was like some insane joke. Like fate was trying to get a good laugh at me. Dinosaurs, aliens, and now, my old nemesis, a peregrine falcon. Then, I saw the other set of wings. The 25-foot wide wings and bony chisel head of a creature no human had ever seen before. Pteranodon, I thought. I used to play with you. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. And, you know, I'd like to just say sorry up front, because this one came out a little late, and it's also a little short. Uh, I've just been having a real kind of bad focus week today, and uh, not today, but this week, and um, it just didn't get done. And uh, also, my birthday is this weekend, so I decided that I want to be done now. (laughs) So sorry, this one's a little short, but uh, we'll resume next week with, you know, your expected about 20 minutes, about three chapters worth of audio, I promise. In the meantime, I do have to say a special shout out, a special thank you to Jennifer, who uh, graciously donated to my server fees for this podcast. Uh, there is a donate button somewhere on my website. That website is theapocalypse.com. Like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, which just links to my personal PayPal. I don't have anything fancy set up. And, uh, you know, donate if if you feel so moved. But uh, I am fine financially. This show is not in danger of, you know, shutting down for anything. But, you know, if you want to help me out with server fees, I sure do appreciate it. I pay about $100 to Podbean to host this, and I pay, like, another $100 for the website that I very vainly created for myself. So, uh, you know, that money Jennifer graciously uh, donated me will go to paying for that. So thank you, Jennifer. Uh, It came with a note saying, loving audiomorphs. Thank you so much for enjoying what I do.
Uh, as as for the rest of you, if you don't want to donate, but you do want to write something in, you can do that at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or audiomorphscast at gmail.com. I really should get a Twitter going. I've been meaning to, and I just haven't yet. So maybe keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, uh, those two ways, or you could write me a review on Apple Podcasts. I read those as well. That is uh, all I have this week. Again, sorry, it's a little shorter. Uh, but it's my birthday. Turning 30. Oh, haven't confronted that one yet. Okay, I got time this weekend to do that. Uh, <laughs> I'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>